<laughs> been an absolutely uh, wild into the year here, and oh, you know, everyone's saying uh, hindsight's gonna be twenty twenty. They're all making that joke, and it was funny. Like the yeah. first, like the first ten times I heard it, I was like, "Oh, January first, twenty twenty one. Hindsight really will be twenty twenty. And now someone's like, "Guess what?" And I'm like, "Don't, please, don't finish the sentence." Yeah. So stop just, what you're doing. Stay, yeah, shut we, up. We got it. Yep. Mm -hmm. It it is funny, just not not the fourteenth time. 15 times. All right, let's <laughs> we'll stop pontificating here and we'll get into episode 37 of Stats to Matter. Week 16 of the NFL season is OVA over, bub. Okay. We have some more division champs, some more to crown this week. Week 17 of the NFL season that kind of almost, maybe sort of close to, didn't happen considering how the season started with COVID and everything when we got here. In our cups this week, I got an Imperial Stout from Portland, Maine. And Tim has an IPA from North Haven, Connecticut, which if you didn't know, since Tim drinks all of his beers from North Haven, Connecticut, mm. must have like the sickest bottle shops ever or the most low-key underground, like you need to go to North Haven because it's a brew Vana place and, and no one knows about it. Combo of the two, I would say. Probably. Ish. <laughs> you can find Stats that Matter wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Apple, Google, Spotify. Um, the Stats that Matter doesn't have a, a TikTok. Two reasons. Um, we talk sports mm -hmm. and what we have to say takes longer than a minute. And while we're pretty punny, I don't want to sit there and try and record like painstakingly to get like a 53 second clip to possibly go viral. I just have different priorities in my life right now. I'm 33. You know what I mean? It's, going viral is just like, it's probably not going to happen for me. So I've accepted it. And unless you're at a uh, wedding and I've had a few uh, cocktails up in me, nobody mm. wants to see me dancing. However, if we do end up at a wedding and I've had those cocktails, Get your uh, popcorn ready because I'm putting on a show every single time. But just to be clear, that's not a, you You have permission to film me and put it on your TikTok and then, <laughs> and then go viral on my behalf. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. So don't do that. Well, look, just because we don't have TikTok doesn't mean you can't make the best use of our Twitter handle at Stats Podcast, tagging us in your 53 comment threads with the sports troll so we could battle them together. And you could do the same thing on our IG handle at Stats Don't Matter. We hope everyone had a happy and hoppy holidays and uh, that you enjoy the show. So let's get into it. Real quick, I want to say a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone we missed last week because Sam and I got a little caught up in our own schedules, trying to balance all the family time. Obviously, we missed all you guys. We're going to move on from the football week last week as if uh, uh, that week 15 never happened. Yeah. It's in our rear view mirror. Everybody knows it's been beat to death. So probably We're for the best on. too yeah because I, I i looked at most of our would-be predictions and we, we got yeah. a lot of them wrong so. yeah 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 so merry christmas to all you guys happy new year filthy animals yeah sam hope you had a great christmas uh, i know you did sure a little did, bit of traveling yeah. mm -hmm. uh we did our uh little covid social distance gathering uh here in connecticut where we sat outside in a screened in porch which we thought we were going to get lucky with some 60 degree weather and it ended up about 48 rainy and windy so your boy sat in a raincoat getting dripped on the entire time we opened presents but it's good to be around family so yeah yeah it, it definitely was that you know wore a mask and had some socially distanced christmas myself so uh it's 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 always just really good when you get a chance to even reconnect and see and of course we you know we could have done more zoom christmases or whatnot and maybe in the future that that, that may be what happens but it's just sort of I think it was something that we, you know, really meant a lot to us. And I know a lot of people have been. So if you have been traveling, hopefully you've been safe. Um, you know, cases are on the rise, yada, yada, all that. Um, 
and I guess there's a new strain now. It's from Britain. Like, so yeah, did you see all, this, all the jokes on beer Twitter? Like, oh, what, what variant of the COVID bottle release is this? Is this the one with, you know, bourbon or the one with tea or the one with like yeah. vanilla ice cream? And it's not, and it's got, this yeah. one seems to be uh, more geared towards children, which is a little unnerving, but oh, you know, boy. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can dodge that bullet at least. Tim, it is stout weather. Mm -hmm. um, again, you know, I had a chance to go up to Maine to see some family and uh, drove up there on a Wednesday. All the snow was going to come. There's supposed to be this huge nor'easter was going to come and drop like two feet of snow. So we got on the road early and saw flurries in Lake Jersey. That was it. So we, mm. get to, we get to Maine and I'm thinking, all right, we're cool. We're good. Then like 24 inches of snow just falls overnight. Yeah. So I'm, I immediately, I'm just like, oh, God. Because I didn't bring like a ton of like snow clothes because there hasn't been a white Christmas in Maine for a few years. And spoiler alert, it wasn't this year either because all the rain happened and just took it all away. But while I was up there, Shout out to Oak Hill Beverage and Redemption Center right downtown there on Route 1 in Scarborough. They got a killer selection. And I happened to see this year's Holy Donut collaboration uh, with Lone Pine Brewing out of Portland, Maine. Now, I mean, we always say if you lived under a rock, you don't know who these people are. But like Holy Donut, Potato Donuts, Maine, just yeah. it's, a, it's a thing of real beauty. And um, they do this collaboration series in their Imperial Stouts where they pick one of their donuts and they, they put it in the brew along with other adjuncts. And I got to tell you that they taste exactly like advertised. Um, I always try and just kind of get through and, and get some donuts. And in fact, before I was like leaving on the way out, I actually had a chance to hang out with my sister and I was kind of like, Oh, I should get like Holy Donut to go. And they were close. And I was mad because yeah. I was like, I have a Holy Donut beer, but that doesn't, that doesn't really do it justice. So I'm thinking this beer is going to do it justice. It's the Holy Donut Imperial Stout with donuts, dark chocolate and peppermint. 9% alcohol by volume. Really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, these are these are just things that we just don't get down here. I'm not gonna say <laughs> I transported across state lines, but I'm saying Holy Donut is one of those that uh, I've only been there once. I'm not the guy that's gonna wait in lines for really anything these days. Like brewery lines, th those are cool, but now distribution is so wide and you get so many good beers locally that I'm not too keen on waiting in lines I, I still may holy donut we waited in line for like an hour an hour for donuts and they were phenomenal i uh glad i did it it's an experience you should do at least once uh will i wait in line for an hour for a donut every time i go to maine probably not uh but if you've never done it put it on your bucket list because that place oh, is yeah. phenomenal yeah and there's that place I think that the, the the one you're talking about you probably waiting in line for is in uh, on Market Street in Portland. Yeah, yeah. There's one on Route One. It's a drive-through. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's the one that's probably I, you're probably still waiting in line forever. But yeah, at least uh, you're in your car though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how that works now with social distancing and all that stuff. Whether or not they're even doing like in-store pickups now. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't see that they were. Their Google page just said you know drive-through. Okay, uh, let's see here. A lot of peppermint off the nose. A lot of peppermint. Peppermint and beer. I don't know if... Uh, I'm curious about this one. Okay. So I had... <laughs> all right. All right. It's not a sour... It's not a sour style like we did a couple episodes ago. Ooh, I, I like it. Peppermint for me, and I don't know if this is because of my non-affinity for ICE 101, um, 
Peppermint is a little bit difficult for me to put down in some of the beers. Um, maybe because I brushed my teeth with it too. I don't really know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's cool. It's a nice flavor, but this thing is so rich. Like, I feel like I just had a, like a gulp of it. And I, I'm already feeling like I had like one of those pudding cups or like a couple of these donuts. You know what I mean? Like that's how heavy and thick it is. Um, Jello pudding pups. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> please sir, don't try and get us canceled. Um, <laughs> you know what? I, I, I like it, but I don't think that this is something I could drink uh, a four pack of. Um, so I was, I was able to snag a single of it there and I'm, and I'm really, really happy about that. But, uh, um, yeah. Seems like a dessert cool. beer. Yeah, it seems yeah. like one. Uh, it's yeah, it's a sure. holiday beer, right? That's yeah. the the idea behind the peppermint. So, yeah, yeah I, but, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, I would give it a. Uh, uh, I give it a four point one. Five four point one five. <laughs> four point one five four. What do you want from me, Tim? <laughs> the face that you made and the I don't know if I could have more than one of these, and it still ends in a four. I mean, that would be getting a raise if that was an employee. <laughs> you want one shot to to revise your score. You're not Absolutely hurting anyone's feelings. Not. I, just, okay. I just gave it to you. I just gave it All to right. you. 4.154. So, so, st- so that's still an excellent beer, in your opinion, even though you couldn't drink no. more than one. No, 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 it was no. too rich. It was like a pudding pop, and you don't like peppermint. Got it. This is the sliding scale from Sam, everybody. This, no, we've it's talked not, it's about not a sliding scale anymore. It's not a sliding scale. Anyways, get on to your beer from North Haven, the, 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 the brew capital of the Northeast, apparently. <laughs> Sam, Sam's basically starts at 3.5 being the bottom tier, and his middle ground is four, apparently. Uh, All right. Um, so I've had Fat Orange Cat. I really like some of the stuff they put out. They are one of those breweries that tends to struggle a little bit with consistency like i've had a couple of their four packs you buy them, you open them up and they're just flat off the bat and if you join any connecticut beer group online they'll tell you some of the same thing but when they get it right they get it very right so this is the first opportunity i've had to try this beer uh, so i'm looking forward to it also as a little bonus for this episode since it's the holiday season and everything's kind of kind of flowing um i may have also come across uh, a delicious jar of some uh papa steve's coquito as we call it uh papa steve uh, is one of my best friends growing up we went to college together we went to high school together he lives down in florida now um this was delivered via stork but uh it's basically like puerto rican nutmeg rum that's probably the closest way to describe it it's got a little bit more spice to it than uh, a normal eggnog would um but it's got a lot of coconut milk in it, which is sort of that Puerto Rican flavor. So usually during these podcasts, Sam and I have our what's in our cup here. And then there's usually a sidecar sitting around somewhere for us to, uh, you know, continue wetting our whistle as we ramble on for an hour and a half. Uh, so I'm going to crack into that at some point in this podcast and I'll pause all production to, to give a little breakdown on that too. But back to this beer, uh, I'm drinking a, uh, she drinks, Oh, sorry. She drives a Plymouth Satellite. Uh, it's, it is an IPA, uh, 7.5. Um, smells, looks almost identical to every other New England style IPA you're going to see. So that's, that's a little promising. I had one over the weekend. I'm not going to call them out, but it was billed as a New England IPA. 
but it poured like a pilsner. It was like super thin. And when you tasted it, it tasted like more like a cream ale with some extra hops in it. It wasn't anything well, like a New England pale. But uh, well, maybe they, maybe they tried to dry hop and it didn't take. Maybe maybe they're just getting their brewer chops underneath them. Okay. So one of the one of the funny things about working in a brewery is that beers take on sort of a different smell and memory trigger when you smell them. Uh, before you would smell one and it would remind you of like a frat house or a restaurant or, or something like that. But now every time I smell a beer, I can gauge generally some of the quality just off of how closely it resembles a brewery. And this one, I'm standing in the canning line. This beer is incredibly fresh, even though there's no date stamped on it, but give it a go. Yeah, that one's good. That one's good. Doesn't suffer from any of the normal not normal, sorry. Doesn't suffer from any of the, the carbonation issues I've seen from some of their other cans. It's incredibly smooth. It's 7.5, but it's uh it's like pillowy soft as you drink it. And it has a nice little it it has like a a bitter punch and then it finishes like a glass of orange juice. It has that nice citrusy finish on the back end. I uh, I I really really like this. I would definitely one if I saw it on a shelf anywhere I would add to the cart. Pretty much me. Shout out to Drizzly by the way if you guys haven't used it yet. Oh, that that <clears throat> now for this one. Oh, I, I braved the elements and, and grabbed this one myself. Um, but Drizzly locally for us will, has an entire craft beer selection. Um, I'm trying to see. Yeah, I I tried to get craft beer delivered to Virginia one time. And it was like, oh, you want craft beer? How about Founders all day? I'm like, yeah, go down the street and get it from the gas station. What the hell is this? No, I'm not getting craft beer yeah. from you. So this one's a good blend. It's Galaxy, it's Simcoe, and it's Citra. And the Citra really comes through on the end. So, yeah, I, I like this. If you're that citrusy New England style IPA drinker, definitely add this one to your to your watch list. I would give this one this one belongs in the four categories so i'll give this one a uh um four two four two i'll give this one it's it's uh four <sighs> below you get around down so it's really a four on the same sliding scale yeah i mean a four is uh a, a four would even be a good number four but a four two no, i would no. Hey, don't let me in my, my <laughs> if I saw this if I if I went out to eat and this was on the tap list, um it would be in one of my go to choices, depending obviously depending on what else is up there. But hey, that hey, would be that's what I'm looking for. Remember when we used to go to places to eat and we looked and we mm. said, Hey, well, what do you have on tap? Yeah, I do remember those days. <laughs> this is one of the worst days ever. Uh, okay. It is <clears throat> it is a heavy hitter too for uh, just a regular IPA. Seven seven and a half. Mm. Very impressed. Very impressed. Well done. I bet. I bet the original gravity was was probably pushing it somewhere like around like eight, mm. and then uh, after <laughs> they're probably like, "Oh, we burned off a little bit. It's really seven point five nine, which is seven point six, but you know, we'll just call it seven five. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah you yeah, get a yeah. couple of those IPAs. You come across them, and you're like, okay. Mm. Uh, would you like another beer, sir? And you're like, no, I'd like a glass of water immediately. <laughs> <laughs> immediately, please. Uh, okay, that's that's what's in our cups this week. We hope that um, 
If you see any of those beers around that, that you go find them, shout out to Fat Orange Cat and shout out to the Holy Donut and Lone Pine. Just, just great beers. Mm. Happy holidays. So one thing that did happen from a good perspective last week was that we had football Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Absolutely wild and necessary. Started off on Friday. Uh, the first game, Viking Saints. And if you've been watching football for a couple of years now, you know what happens. Saints win a lot of games. They face the Vikings. They lose. <laughs> uh, it doesn't make any sense on paper because the Saints are a much better team than the Vikings. But somehow the Vikings managed to pull it off. They had the Minneapolis Miracle a couple of years ago. You had the, the possible Kyle Rudolph offensive pass interference uh, in the NFC Championship game. No, sorry, the divisional game uh, a couple of years ago. And I thought, hey, let's, let's just continue with the trend. Vikings are going to pull it out. Week by 30 to 27, something like that. And you know you got to stop if you've heard me say this before because I like starting off every episode with a hot L and I got mm -hmm. one coming in fresh for you here. Um, how else to describe how wrong my predictions are in 2020 than when the Saints dropped 50 on the Vikings after I said that they would lose by three points? Um, Drew Brees is back after 11 crack ribs. And I got to be honest, I think the Saints team is playing like their season depends on it. Because the Bucs are heating up. And even though they won the NFC South title for the fourth time in a row, and Alvin Kamara had six, count them, six rushing touchdowns. He could have had a seventh, mm. but they vultured it for Taysom Hill because they're trying to make Taysom Hill happen. Um, <laughs> if, you, if you played against Alvin Kamara, you might have gotten lucky because a lot of people who had Kamara typically didn't have a very good rest of the team that might have not made it as far in the playoffs. That was not the case. I played in a six-man league. I had Kamara. I think I beat that guy by like 80 or 90 points. And 60 of them came for Kamara. So, appreciate that. Uh, that was pretty good. Look, there's just something about the team in the Saints that they're, they're managing to put up a lot of points when, it, when it's necessary. And I think that the team is good when, Hill's, when Taysom Hill is in there. But I think what Breeze has on that team right now is just the familiarity, just the flow, the control. Um, much in a way that the Vikings really need that with Kirk Cousins. Um, he, he provides them a spark. But there are long stretches where it's either Dalvin Cook or Adam Thielen. Never both. Uh, the tight end position in, in Minnesota has been sort of barren for a couple of years. Uh, Kyle Rudolph has been you know, known for making big catches, and he's sort of kind of fallen off the map now that they've gone through these wide receiver heavy sets. And that's good and all. But the defense, the defense for the Minnesota Vikings, Mike Zimmer's Zim Reapers. I, I don't know what has happened to that defense. Now, you, you know, you get a guy, you trade him away, Daniil Hunter. Uh, you are trying to be in the Yannick Ngakwe sweepstakes. You have a good, a decent secondary. You're trying to upgrade it. And it's just like, you got linebackers, but it just, it just doesn't matter. I don't know if it's the scheme. I don't know if it's the execution. I mean, there's a lot of talk about how, like, Zimmerman's son is, like, a, you know, a defensive assistant. And, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still the head coach that has to coach that, right? So then, like, you, you're giving up so many points. and you're trying to focus on the defense one week and focus on the offense next week. Like that's not the way a team really needs to be running. And it's unfortunate because I feel like the Vikings have all the pieces they need to be successful and, and they've gone pretty far uh, in the postseason. And this just represents like a complete slide back. So that was uh, that was wild. I did not expect that to happen. And I think, I, I think what surprised me the most was after Kamara's third touchdown, most of us thought, okay, Latavius Murray time. It's got to be. Yeah, like there's no, there's no reason for you to keep him out there. But what Sean Payton did was he said, you can't stop him. 
So we're just going to continue to give him the ball and you can just continue to not tackle him. And it's almost like the Vikings defense was like, yeah, we're good with that. I'm, I mean, I wasn't, but I mean, I, I guess they felt like it. So hot, fresh shell to start the episode. My goodness. <laughs> that, that score looked like a, uh, like a division three basketball score, mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. like a high school basketball score. That was nuts. Yeah. All right, moving on. We got the Buccaneers and we got the Lions. And holy shit, what the hell did we watch? This was, you kind of knew going into this game, it had a chance to be messy. And messy is an understatement. The Bucks ran away 47 to 7. That only touchdown, by the way, was actually a, uh, a was it a fumble? Was it a fumble? It was a defensive touchdown. Um, not. A good look by the Lions at all. But listen to this. 22-27, four touchdowns, all in the first half. That was Tom Brady's stat line for the game against the Lions. To be fair, the team was without five of its coaches. Their interim head coach, Daryl Bevel, their defensive coordinator, Corey Unlin, and three other defensive coaches. And holy hell did that show. Can't make excuses. It's always supposed to be next man up. Those guys should know what they're doing. But if this is what the cliff looks like, I really don't know what to tell you. It's 36 touchdowns on the season for Brady. It's his fifth time in his career he's done that in a season. And it ties him with Aaron Rodgers as most in NFL history. Uh, Some of the other stats. The first player in NFL history to make the playoffs in 12 consecutive years. 12. His third game in his career with a 158.3 passer rating and the only player in the last 40 seasons to put up 340 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. It's the second time he's done it. The last time was back in 2009. Now, this wasn't intended to be a a, a gush about him. It's just more shocking in contrast to what's going on in New England right now. It, it it would be impressive kind of on its own, given his age. But holy shit, the amount of time I had as a New England fan to listen to fans from across the league go on and on and on about Brady being a quote-unquote system quarterback mm-hmm. and Belichick being the reason he had his success. He goes to that team. It instantly draws interest from other players around the league looking to make move into a playoff contender. And now they're in the playoffs since, for the first time since 2007. All of those fans who just regurgitated that nonsense over and over and over for the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years, it's time to shut the hell up, understand what you're watching, give them all the credit for this season. It, it's well-deserved, and if you see what's going on in New England, it's clearly not just a system, because Cam should have fit that system, and if he didn't, Stidham should have fit that system. Everyone was saying, oh, look at what he did with Jimmy G. Look what he did with Hoyer when, when Brady was out. Okay, Jimmy G's gone on to have some success out in San Francisco, so clearly he's doing his own thing. Hoyer was hit or miss and ended up being relegated to a backup role, but Tom Brady is still just completely chugging along, and if this is what he looks like in the first season, it'll be curious to see what he looks like going forward. The Lions are going to be fine. I think this was just kind of a an off year for them. Hopefully I think long-term they're going to bounce back. They've got some, 
you know, some work to do in giving some support to uh, their quarterback position and some of their receiving core. I think they'll be fine. Stafford will be fine. But, man, this was more about Tom Brady putting up a statement piece, going out there and just demolishing another team on his way into the playoffs. And now they they kind of look like one of those teams that you need to be a little bit more concerned about going into a playoff run who may not have necessarily been on your radar halfway through the season towards the tail end. They were winning games. They obviously had a couple games where they looked incredibly impressive. We were joking around about them assembling the Avengers down that way. But this was one of those games where, you know, Tom Brady was hitting 25-yard-plus bombs all day long. They really looked like they were in sync. So this is my Tom Brady aside. This is the team I think to pay the closest attention to going into the season, uh, into the playoffs. Do I think they're going to take the whole thing? No. Uh, I do have on record someone from work who has, uh, who successfully picked the winner last year, uh, put Tampa in the running to win this year. So kudos to him. Do I think he's going to go that far? No, but I think they might play upset and maybe bounce a couple really good teams uh, on their way there. I want, I want, I want the hate so much, but it's like New England's finally like slumping, and Tommy B is just living his best life in Florida, like every snowbird from New England. You hate to see yeah. it, slash, love to see it. All right, yeah. <clears throat> that was it. That was the first part of a triple header we had on Saturday. We had three football games on Saturday. That was amazing. Saturday night football uh, is coming up here, and I think the NFL should. Yeah, I mean, like, look, I understand college. You know, they're gonna have some nights. Give them another night of the week. I want Saturday, Saturday night football. That's what I want. Uh, but swap, before, Saturday, swap Saturdays and Sundays. Oh hell no, no, no! I want both. I want them all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let college have Thursday and Friday nights. No one takes classes on Fridays, anyways. Come on, these are no. I'm not gonna say that. Anyways, uh, all right, the 4:30 game, 49ers Cardinals. I were to have predicted this game, I would have said with well, the 49ers slumping. Cardinals need to make a push for the postseason, and I think they're going to win that game. If there's anything I love doing is starting off an episode with a big fat L, but if there's anything I love doing more than that, it's having back-to-back Ls for Sam Stradamus. I mean, the Cardinals, I feel like this season, have been guilty of doing two things. Not zigging when they should be zagging, and making us scratch our heads with all the talent that they have, like DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake, like, and not running teams off of the field, right? Kyler came out and like, I don't want to say he's a flash in the pan, but like this season he burned hot, hot as hell for like the first nine weeks. And then he just sort of began to taper off here. And you pointed it out. You know, you said there's, there's tape on him. Teams are going to figure it out. And Mm -hmm. division games are always tough. But the way the Cardinals have been failing to score points in, in consecutive weeks has got me really sort of like weirded out. Um, because I, then again, like I'm looking at Seattle and how, you know, they, they took Seattle to the woodshed the first time. And then, you know, they, they got taken to the woodshed themselves the second time. So, you know, that this team is capable of putting up points and hanging with the best of them. You go and you make the trade for new Hopkins. You have one of the best slot receivers probably ever, um, in Larry Fitz. And I think Julian Edelman belongs on that list for sure, but he, I don't think he's going to have the longevity that Fitz does. And this, this team should not be fighting to win nine games. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. You have a, an air raid attack that's specifically built around Kyler Murray and his skills. 
uh, and they have the zone reads, and it's just like teams are now just going, yeah, go ahead, run on us. We don't care. We'll stop you. We're not worried about you pushing the ball down the field. Now, maybe that's injury. Maybe that's something that's else to it. But if you're a Cardinals fan, you're, you're looking at the fact that your stadium is having two teams playing it every week now because of some COVID lockdown uh, rules in California. So you have the 49ers that are, that are playing there and all your practice facilities as well, and then the Cardinals. So do you, is, it, is this the case of like when someone comes into your backyard and just plays with your toys and is better at it than you are, and you, you just get discouraged? Like, I don't, I don't understand how to explain how the Cardinals have all this talent, um, especially with Buda Baker on defense, and they're losing these games. It, it just does not make sense. Like, the 49ers are down their, their defensive line stars. They're down their star quarterback. They're, they were down George Kittle last week before, you know, he came back in this game. And it's like, you know exactly what that guy's going to give that team. So, I don't know, scheme to take him out of it maybe? Nope, not at all. If there's one team that I think, like, if I could look back at the beginning of the season and just, like, point my finger in people's faces and say, told you so, it was the Arizona Cardinals. There was so much hype going into them this season, and you just think, on paper, they're Tigers. They're absolutely going to ravage this league. And to be honest, for the first few weeks, it looked like that was going to be right. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to eat so much crow by the end of the season. But what happened was they kind of regressed, and they came back to the mean. And I was not – I was hoping it was going to happen. So I, I'm not going to lie and say I wasn't pleasantly surprised w- when that occurred uh, because they're in the division, and the NFC West is, is a tough division. But, that, I mean, it's, it's almost like they had an Achilles heel. And they kept it very, very hidden for the first, you know, three quarters of the season. One team exposed it and didn't tell anyone else. They just said, if you want, if you want to know, be in the know and just watch the film. And now every other team is doing the same thing to them and they're finding ways to win those games. Um, and, and they have an absolutely crucial week 17 showdown just to be able to win and get into the playoffs with some help. And uh, spoiler, I don't really know if they can do that. I think I, we said it early on. I, his early success came with the ability for him to run and be elusive. In the first nine games, he had, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games with 60-plus yards. Two of them had 90-plus yards. Since game nine, since week nine, he has had one, two, three, four, five We'll even include this in five games where he was held to 50 or less yards. Two of those, he had 15 yards. One, he had 31 yards. And another one who had 29 yards. I said, when he came out, especially against New England, where you saw what happened when you remove him from the game. New England is a team that was exposed defensively. They kind of found their way later on. But we said immediately after that game, this is what happens when you remove him. And now that there's game tape that shows what happens when you do that i mean seattle did the same thing they contained him as well he had 15 yards in that game then 31 against New England the following week 15 against the rams the following week after that so you the writing was there you saw what you had to do to keep them you know in positions to lose some games it's only a matter of time you had a new guy come out what can he do how do we stop this game plan appropriately remove him from the game, and they're a whole different look to that team. So I hate to say it surprised me, but it didn't. I saw it coming, and what we're seeing is it come to fruition, unfortunately. I think they'll be fine. They're going to game plan around it as he gets better and he gets more accurate down the road, but 
I, I think he peaked too early this season for, for anyone to really bank on any major success coming out of this season. I, I would agree on that. And I, I would say from a fantasy perspective, you probably benched him for the first three or four weeks because you wanted to see if the trend was going to happen. And then the trend did happen. So you're like, oh, I got to put him in. And you put him in and then you got rewarded with some 22-point games instead of some 40-point games or some 38-point yeah. games. Um, I mean, and you'll take those points no matter how you're going to get them. But, you yep. know, trying to get into playoffs and, you know, you got folks like Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams out there getting twice the amount of points as your quarterback. <clears throat> yep. Never a good place to be. All right. Yep. Tim, tell us about uh, Dolphins Raiders on uh, Saturday Ooh, night. Football. Yeah. Yep. 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 Once again, we are seeing the end of another question mark era for Gruden, who has now dropped five of their last six games after starting out strong. And in doing so, coughing up the game this weekend, uh, they are once again not from the postseason early. So everyone thought coming out of the gate, these guys are going to come out swinging and they just started petering and stuttering along and gave up some games they really should have won. I know they had some close ones there. Carr had another decent outing. It was his fifth 330-yard-plus outing this season. But some poor coaching, some turnover issues, uh, some late-game heroics by the, we'll call them the Miami closer. Uh, they, they allowed Miami to score two touchdowns and three field goals in the last four minutes of the game. Did you watch that game live? It was, I didn't. I had to watch it, was it like bananas. Uh, yeah, it was so it was, crazy. Like I, I thought, oh, okay, someone scores here. This game's over. The Raiders are gonna win. And then I was like, I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'll watch the next minute. And then I was like, yeah, oh man, yeah. Hold I, on to your butts. <laughs> <laughs> One of those was a bomb. It was like a 52 yard bomb that Fitzmagic threw downfield as his face was getting ripped off after he was brought in to replace Tua in the force. Uh, in, in, in the fourth, in the fourth, uh, he felt like he had the force uh, in that last bit. He came in the fourth, put up 182 yards and a touchdown. I mean, after they asked uh, Miami's coach about uh, Brian Flores about pulling Tua, he said he thought it was the best move to give them a chance to win, and Tua himself even supported the moves. He said, "Quote: My thoughts were whatever was going to be best for the team." went on to say when I was in, we couldn't really get that going. And to be honest, he wasn't wrong. He was super efficient. He was 17 to 22, but he was only imagining, uh, he was only averaging about 4.3 yards per attempt. Not sure how I feel about the move personally. I think you need to let the kid get in, struggle, lose a couple of these games or put them in a position to come back and win a couple games. But at the end of it, a win's a win. I, it's it's unfortunate to see Fitz getting put in and pulled out, put in. He's not consistent enough when he's in, so it seems like when they pull him in, the team tends to rally around him. I heard another quote saying that if they needed to put in their closer in the ninth every game, they were going to continue to do that. Or if they needed to run a two or three or four quarterback system, that's what they were going to do to win some of these games. It puts their team in the Ooh. best position to win, but what does that do to the confidence of your rookie starter if the moment he starts to struggle or you think the win is in jeopardy, you just pull him. Like you got to let him fail. Some of these, you got to look at the big picture and say, okay, what are our playoff implications? The chances of you actually making it in are a little, a little tough, but shout out to all the Raiders fans who got onto us early and throughout the first half of the season for not giving uh, Derek Carr enough love. This is what you get. Uh, the Raiders started out strong. I've never personally been a big Rudin fan. Uh, when he came back in, 
to the league. He had a very old school style that you knew wasn't really going to work. I think in the way the leagues are moving now, he tried to play this smash mouth uh, football in with a team that isn't built for smash mouth football and in a league that's not designed around smash mouth football anymore. So you thought, Oh, this is, he's going to be, he's going to be the new guy bringing in the, the, the new movement by playing this old school style. And it just blew up in their face. But that's what happens when you refuse to change a lot of what you're doing. It's not going to end well. It did make for an exciting finish. The game itself was relatively boring up until that point. Might've been the best finish of the year. But until Gruden, if he's still around, which I would be shocked if he is. Uh, I mean, wh- where was he going to go? He has a 10-year contract. I, Even if they fire him, he's, he's going to get paid stupid amounts of money to go sit on the sideline somewhere. Come, like, back to, come back to broadcasting. Who knows? But uh, it, just, it just doesn't work. You get in. You don't change anything. You play the same style of football you've been playing for 15 years. It's not going to be hard to defend against that, unfortunately. So. Yeah, ride back to your broadcasting career. I think that's what's next on the horizon. Unfortunately, I don't even like you slender the Monday Night Football crew like that. I, I think that is a that is a very nice change. It's not Gruden and Tarico, but you know it it is <laughs> it it it'll do, pig. It'll do. Uh, all right, jam pack Saturday. Now moving on to the Sunday slate, Panthers football team and the one o'clock hour. Jim McCaffrey, we barely knew you this season. And, you know, like, I'll, I'll, I'll say something that I'm probably going to catch some flack for. I needed to go and make some aggressive moves to take some high waiver priority pickups off the line to make sure other players I was going against in the playoffs couldn't, uh, couldn't snap them up. You know, you know, like weird flex players who were, you know, had a hot game the, the previous week and, uh, you know, defenses that people were going to try and stream. Cause you know, in, in our league, you know, there's like four flex positions plus a defense plus an individual defensive player. So you, you, if you stream defenses, you can make a lot of points that way. So what I had to do was I, I just, I mean, I've had McCaffrey for a couple of years now. He's been my keeper and just the off and on, he had a couple of games, he got hurt and then he came back, he got hurt again. And then like, just this whole string every week. They're like, all right, he's going to play. He's going to play. Oh, he's not going to play. Oh, he's going to play. He's going to play. Oh, he's not going to play. So I kept having to just sort of rearrange the roster. And I just decided, all right, if I can only keep one player on this roster going forward, a roster that's remained largely unchanged the past couple of years, I had to say, do I want to keep a guy like James Robinson, who was undrafted that I picked up off the waiver wire, or a guy like Travis Kelsey, who is 5,000 yard uh, seasons, you know, back to back to back, like, I got to do something about that. And then I come to Christian McCaffrey and I say, listen, listen, Linda, listen, you've done a lot of great work for me. However, you are not going to play the rest of the season. I know that you probably know that the coaches probably know that or the rest of the fantasy season. So I'm gonna go ahead and kick you to waivers. And I had all the skill players that I possibly could grab Mm -hmm. that I was worried about, you know, being used against me. uh, And I needed to grab a defense. And I read this article and was like, Here, here's the defense you need to get because the Browns are going to face the Jets. So, of course, you want to grab the Browns defense. So I put Christian McCaffrey <laughs> oh, on the waiver wire <laughs> for the Jets. No, not the Jets, the Browns defense. And then uh, Newsflash, they lost. So um, Bad. Yeah, so for those, for, those, for those folks who listen to the podcast, I mean, McCaffrey's on waivers. Go grab him. Um, I've had a couple of great years with them. But I'm saying all that to say this. You remember the movie Friday? Yes. I remember, remember the, the, one of the best quotes. Like, how the hell did you get fired on your day off? 
You should ask Dwayne Haskins that. Uh, because, look, the Panthers came out like hot jungle garbage for a lot of parts of the season. And then they came out jungle hot this time and dropped 20 unanswered points on the football team before allowing a measly pair of field goals, one before halftime, one after halftime, and then a very last minute fourth quarter J.D. McKissick touchdown. My fantasy team thanks you for that. Um, the Panthers and Teddy Two Gloves decided this was going to be the day they did it. Haskins had 154 passing yards and two picks. He had a grand total QBR of 39.0. Panthers wide receiver Curtis Samuel had 158 yards by himself. Now, when you take a quarterback like Haskins, I think he was like, what, the 17th pick like a couple years ago in the yeah. draft Daniel Jones and everything. You're thinking this guy, he came from Ohio State, 5,000 yards passing, 50 touchdowns. You're like, oh, this, this could be a Big Ben type player. No. Uh, 10 and 13 as a starter. Yep. Just the Washington football team needed to put him out there because Alex Smith still doing, still dealing with his calf injury and they, they had to grab Taylor Heineke to, to begin to play. And that guy hasn't been around the league in, in a minute. And, um, it didn't work. Like you had the two picks. He just, he just really looked like out of sorts. And there's been a lot of like really bad hype about like, Oh, is this indicative of like, you know, I've seen some prominent sports figures. That's the current thing on Twitter is they're all talking about if Haskins is indicative of like young black athletes in America who are more focused on their brain than they are on playing football. And I think that that theory is so terrible and you can just shoot it to hell with a whole bunch of counter theories that like, it's not really worth getting into, but the, the problem here is it's really difficult to replicate the kind of success you have in college when everything is built around you, uh, when you're in the professional leagues and you often have to make something out of nothing. And that's not to say that, that the football team doesn't have good players. They're rebuilding their culture. Um, that should be a scenario in which you thrive, right? You want to be the leader. You want to be the captain. Uh, and when your captainship gets stripped from you because you've violated league COVID profiles twice and you get fined for it. Uh, and you, you put a statement out and then you just absolutely do not look like you're ready to play an NFL game. It's very, very difficult for players and, and fans to want to get behind you. Um, and of course that led to Haskins being released from the Washington football team this week. And he went unclaimed on waivers. So essentially the Washington football team said, thanks, but no thanks in 31 other teams said, Okay, we're good. Hmm. I I don't think it's the end for him. I think necessarily, like with everything going on with COVID right now, the teams are obviously a little scared about someone who might want to make decisions that aren't the most adult for their scenarios. And and, you know, you're you're too close to the playoffs, and if you have one of these, you know, COVID outbreaks on your team, I mean, you've seen that the NFL has said we're not going to cancel games for competitive reasons. We'll cancel games for medical reasons. So there has been teams this year like the Lions, who were missing coaches. There have been teams who were missing wide receivers. There have been teams who were missing quarterbacks, like the, like the Denver Broncos. The league says, huh, you, you knew the rules. You should have mitigated it, and you still have to go play the game. That's the way it works. We're not making exceptions for you. So maybe that's why teams aren't going you know, for Haskins right now. Maybe he breaks out with the team uh, next year in their preseason, and he finds a, a, finds a way to sort of kind of get back on his feet. But I do think that's pretty telling that 31 other teams right now especially when the backup quarterbacks in this league are shoddy at best for most teams. They're all like, nah, we're good. But thank you to Teddy Two Gloves for finally getting it going just week 16, you know? And 
Didn't start Curtis Samuel. Should have. Bummer. <laughs> Uh, I got Colt Steelers. Uh, I watched this one outside on a porch, sipping whiskey. Shout out to Michael Hong. It was his 50th birthday over the weekend. Uh, big Steelers fan. Thought we'd go and hang out there. Uh, but unfortunately for him, the first half of this game was a bit of a snooze fest. The first two quarters, the Steelers could not do anything. and It looked like the Colts were going to run away with it. But went in. Made some crazy halftime adjustments. They were able to come out. It gives you a little bit of pause, though. Sorry, Mike, uh, about this Steelers team. If it hasn't kind of opened your eyes over the last few weeks, that this team is struggling a little bit as it starts to as it starts to transition into uh, into the playoffs, and they're starting to come up short in areas where you know when we first saw this team go down, you quote unquote, this team ain't ever lose again. And here uh, they yeah. are. Yeah. Losing. Yeah. Here they yeah. are. Yeah. They yeah. they've lost two and have almost lost a few others, uh, including this one, which required a 17 point comeback. Um but they won. They clinched the AFC North, but this team has looked extremely vulnerable over the last few weeks. I mean Ben isn't a guy you rule out most of the time. So as long as he's back there, you have a chance, but if you come up slow against a good team like you know Kansas City or any other team that they may have to face on their way to a Super Bowl victory, it's going to be a lot harder to overcome some of these uh, shortcomings in the first, you know, first and second quarter. Um, picture starting to take place or starting to take shape for the playoffs. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of faith in Pittsburgh. I mean, unless I know they're they're contemplating sitting Ben, or I think they are. They made the decision they're going to rest Ben going into uh, next week. So doesn't have a any major playoff implications, but there there are uh, some small ones riding on it. So we'll have to see what happens there. But they're one of those teams that you know, looking at the record, you're like, oh yeah, yeah this team's uh, a favorite to to go deep but when you start looking at the actual matchups they've had over the last maybe five weeks uh it was like week week 12 week 13 i said i i have a feeling that they're going to lose one of these games they're primed to lose some of these games that they should win and only because in watching them they had some inconsistencies that were, were starting to become consistencies for the wrong reasons can't get the running game going, that's not going to help you out. It actually took, in this game, a lot of crossovers in the second half to kind of open up the field, downfield, in order to make any sort of moves, but they literally could not move the ball. They were having a hard time, you know, preventing anything from happening. So, maybe Terrest spends old. This might be his last season. There's been some, some grumblings of it. I think he may be back for another season or two, but... I don't have a lot of faith going in uh going into the postseason for these guys, unfortunately. You just gotta get hot at the right time, and I think like they slumped. Yep. And they slumped like too too late in the season. You know what I mean? Like if you had gone eight and zero, lost a couple, then ripped off another four or five wins, like that'd have been good for you. Yeah. You lost at eleven and zero to the Washington football team. And you lost again the next week. And you lost the third time. And at that point, like no team is outright scared of you. And I did like to see that Deontay Johnson got that big, big bomb of a touchdown. Beautiful. We haven't seen Ben throw something like that. And then Juju caught one, but 
the run game is non-existent. Yeah. Like, Juju Juju has been one of those inconsistencies. He's uh, he was on my fantasy team, and before the end of the season, I ended up dropping him because he would go like two or three games with almost no output, and then he'd have one where he'd get you like twelve to fifteen to eighteen points, and then you're like, oh, okay, he's back. Let me start him again. You get like four points the next week. So he's one of those guys. It's just he's not there. I know there's been some, you know some asinine antics he's put out and he's been all yeah, over TikTok like, and Twitter, him, but him TikToking on, on, uh, on a logo when they were winning, it was cool. When they're losing is not cool. Like, okay, cool. And then he TikToked again on, on a logo after they won the AFC North. So like, you know, I can only, I can only handle that to like, to, to an extent, like, yeah, you got to stop teams from beating up on you. Juju can, yeah. he doesn't play defense. You know what I mean? And you lose a lot of that. So, yeah, man. All right, Falcons Chiefs. If I were to predict this game, I would have said the Chiefs are going to go fourteen and one, and it won't have to be that hard from them. You know, so it's not really crazy to think that it would be twenty twenty that the Chiefs would win a game against the Falcons. However, you'd be amazed in capital letters at what happens next. Click through the <laughs> listicle to see. Look, this is crazy. Okay, so let's take the game for what it is. Whatever teams have been doing against the Chiefs this season, they're finding out, all right, the Chiefs have an extra gear. We can barely keep up with them. But in certain scenarios, we're, we're able to keep them close to the vest. We, we can't control them, but we can stop them from scoring a ton of points on us. That has meant that over the last few weeks, teams have successfully kept Kansas City from running away from them. And if Young Way Koo doesn't miss the game-tying kick, this game is 17-all, and the Falcons possibly have a chance to take this thing to overtime and maybe win a game. Absolutely crushing way for the Atlanta Falcons to lose, but that's what's happening this year. They're just getting beat over the head. Um, for the Chiefs, it's running game issues right now. I, I don't know what it is. Um, they've got enough running backs back there. Williams, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Le'Veon Bell. Um, no one seems to be finding any footing. Is that scheme or is it reps? Who, who knows what it is, but... Atlanta limited Tyreek Hill. They said, Travis Kelsey, keep doing your thing. Go rumble, young man. We're just going to let you do it. You managed to pick off Patrick Mahomes. You managed mm -hmm. to pick off Sammy Watkins on a trick play. And let's shout out to Tyreek Hill because after DK Metcalf ran down Buda Baker when Russell Wilson threw that pick, he said, oh, that's great. Good for, good for DK. But my quarterback would never throw that interception. Guess what, Tyreek? He did throw that interception. And someone else had to make the tackle for you. So I don't want to be hearing nothing like that. Like folks need to understand that when you're playing the Chiefs, it's almost like a bit of the Patriots of old. And I can say that now because the Patriots of old are not the Patriots of new. You can only keep them down for so long. Mm -hmm. If you want to trade field goals with them, good luck. Because eventually they're going to find a hole in your defensive special teams and they're going to exploit it. They're now winning games where they don't have to score a ton of points. They're, they're, they're saying, listen, let's not put everything out on tape. Let's go ahead and just run a few plays. Like, sure, Pat had a, had a pick, but he had a touchdown. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just chalk it up to that, that day. That's, that's what it's going to be, okay? I, I wonder, you know, a little Tim Spiracy hack here, if they are taking their foot off the gas a little bit. They're 14-1. and one. They could go 15-1, but it's more likely to go 14-2. Like, they have the number one seed locked. They've got the buy, the only buy that's going to happen in the AFC because of this game. Um, rest players. 
Like, what, what are you worried about? Like, if you really wanted to go back and you have home field advantage to the playoffs and you really want to repeat as Super Bowl champions, like, yeah, I, it's great that Patrick Mahomes has thrown all these touchdowns. But I think what you need to do is do a hard reset because teams have found a way to keep you close enough to where they can limit how dangerous you are. Yep. And that is not what you want going into the postseason whatsoever. So could they go 15-1? Probably. I think they'll go 14-2 and because I think smartly they'll say next week, Michael Hardman, you're Tyreek Hill this week. Uh, Travis Kelsey, thanks for your services, but you know we won't we won't be playing you. I did. I I think this is the same thing that's plagued a lot of the teams. There's enough tape out there now, and it, the, the Chiefs are always one of those that are going to game plan around whatever you think is going to happen. But Mahomes was only about fifty percent as far as completions this last week. So, and it's not like they had anybody out there on the team who isn't part of their starting roster. They didn't run the ball a ton either, so I don't necessarily think this was a case of like taking their foot off the gas. I think Mahomes just wasn't as accurate as he often is when he goes out here. Now, whether or not that's the defensive side of Atlanta finally figuring it out, because again, you have another heartbreaking loss for Matt Ryan. He had 300 yards, 27 of 35, and two touchdowns, yet your defense ended up coming up short. Your kicker came up short, so it's another one. Like this is going to be a season on Matt records, Matt Ryan's personal record book, where they look at him and and like if you look at him in a microcosm, you're like, oh my god, what? How are you going to give this team this kind of record? But then when you look at each game, you're like, oh yeah, that's because your defense is it's terrible and you're being let down by other members of your team. But I honestly don't necessarily think that this was the uh, the Chiefs letting off the gas. I think teams are starting to figure out this team. Too late in the season, right? Yeah, like yeah. If, all, if this had started to happen yeah. halfway through the season, it then becomes like, oh, okay, it's more close. But how many times have we talked about really close wins for the Chiefs, especially against teams where they should have won? Matt Ryan's a great quarterback. Yes, he's put up a bunch of gaudy numbers. This was another one where he put up great numbers. He had a 121 rating on the day. Shout but, out to Calvin Ridley. Yeah, but they, once again came up short and it was because they missed a field goal and maybe like one or two other opportunities, but this is a game the Chiefs could have lost. Now I know everyone's going to say a win is a win, an inch, inch or mile, doesn't matter, blah, 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 whatever shtick they want to give us. But this is another game of like six games this season where you were like, oh shit, they could have literally lost this game and the record could have been drastically different. Like if you take six weeks, this could have been a very different record for this team. They're finding ways to win, sure, but Take Tyreek Hill out of it, and they're not as easy to uh, to steamroll teams as they were when Tyreek is putting up gaudy points. We even saw against the Bucks when Tyreek Hill was rolling for the first half, and they're like, oh, wait a second. Let's just focus all of our attention on this guy. And then it became a much, much closer game in which they did almost lose. I know you had mentioned then that maybe it was because they took their foot off the gas, but I think this game is an example as to why that isn't the case. It's just if you remove Hill their best weapon. Kelsey is probably their second best weapon, but you can keep him somewhat contained. If you can keep him from like, let him stack yards, but keep him out of the end zone. You're going to stay in this game. But if you remove Hill from the equation altogether, it's a drastically different looking team. The Bucks did it in the second half of that game. Over the last few weeks, Hill has not been as big a factor as he was in the weeks leading up to it. I think we kind of have a game plan. And that's why I think the Bucks. I mean, sorry, that's why I think the Chiefs are one of those questionable teams. I know a lot of people have them winning the Super Bowl. 
I'm not one of those guys. If you're going into it and you're playing your best football and you can remove Hill, I think you can keep these games pretty competitive. And again, your kicker comes out and makes that field goal. Say this is the first or second round of the playoffs. Now it's a drastically different story. Mm. I think they have a chance to get bounced somewhat early if they don't come out and they don't find ways to get Hill yeah, actively I mean, involved. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you on that. I think that what's going to happen is they're going to stomp to the AFC just like the Panthers did uh, in the NFC in 2015. I think they're going to lose. And who do I think they're going to lose to? The goddamn Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> so uh, let's go ahead and romp to the AFC. I'm not worried about it. Tim, tell me about these Bears. These Bears. How in the world did the Bears... Uh, well uh and by the way we're not apologizing for anything we said about mitch trubisky or nick Foles in the beginning part of the season okay that this is just this is not a this is is not an apology tour no 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 i'm i I have the tinfoil hat the tinfoil hat is now a fitted cap at this point it's firmly (laughs) cemented on my head uh and this one smells all sorts of fishy from the jacksonville side they opted to go back to mike glennon as their starter you have to ask yourself about the move. Couple scenarios. Was it to help improve their odds for the Trevor sweepstakes? Because they are currently the leader in. Uh, is this a showcase of Glennon for some trade fodder? If that should happen, maybe you're protecting Gardner Minshew from potential injury because you might use him for some trade bait also. And because it is looking more and more likely that you are going to take Trevor the Jets in the most Jets way to end a season. Not only did they win one game, but they won two games, which actually cements the Jaguars' number one pick. So the writing's there on the wall. Uh, they got I'm excited about it. As a James Robinson fantasy <laughs> owner, I'm excited about it. Let's go, baby! They, they got destroyed by the Bears, 41-17, in a game that unfortunately and likely extended Trubisky's tenure as a quarterback in Chicago. The turnover bug is still haunting him. He had a pick. He had a fumble. They recovered that one, so he technically had only uh, one turnover. He has had some shining moments since they started going back to him a couple weeks ago. So maybe it's too soon to just completely write him off. I don't necessarily know if that's where I'm going to hang my franchise on. He's had some turnover issues. He's had some consistency issues, but... You got to respect the guy who's been benched and put back in and, you know, gone through the roller coaster ride that he has. I'm not going to say Jacksonville lost this game on purpose, but you definitely put the quarterback that's most likely to give you a loss in. He turned the ball over a bunch. He wasn't that great. So I think this one was uh, uh, a hand me game to the, to the Bears. So if I'm a Bears fan, I'm not exactly hanging my hat on this one this season. Give me Graham. Two touchdowns. Probably on the waiver wire. Yeah. Just, ugh, you hate to see it. All right. Bengals, Texans. Tim, I know that you didn't uh, really hop on the hashtag let Joy Roar train like some of us did. Um, but if I were to predict this game, I would have said uh, Texans got to win out to go 6-10. and 10, And I think that happens here. And <laughs> it did not happen that way. Mm-hmm. I love stacking these L's. Um, we talked about in the beginning part of the season that the Bengals are a good team, good-ish, and they're going to win some games that most people don't think they have any business winning. This was one of those games. A game that went so poorly for the Texans, J.J. Watt in his post-game interview had an inspiring monologue about what players need to focus on more, practicing harder, hitting the weights, doing their jobs in the field. 
it was almost like he was calling out every one of his teammates that he knows has been half-assing it this entire season. He just didn't come out by name. He just decided to go ahead and blast them on a, on a, on a post-game press conference. Uh, he's talked about not wanting to be around for a rebuild and is looking like that's what it's going to be. Um, I mean, you've locked up uh, Watson for the long haul there. You, you've had some really questionable personnel management decisions this season with giving away Nuke Hopkins for <laughs> for David Johnson, uh, you know, for a second round mm. pick, which is, is laughable. You know what I mean? Like it, it couldn't happen in 2019. Like the league would have rejected it in, in, in NFL 2K, that would have been rejected. You know what I mean? It, it never would, or mad. It never would have happened. But it happened in 2020. Um, it's got to be tough to be in the Texans locker room. You have people that you know want to be there that want to win, and there's probably just this undercurrent of players that are just maybe underperforming or coaches that aren't trying to get the best out of them or something. That's a combination of both. Um, good news. Draft help is on the way because you're going to be like 5-11. and 11. So you're going to pick in the top part of the draft, and that's going to be good. You can get a player on defense. Maybe you can get you know, a, a game-changing wide receiver, probably like Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or something. Um, so go, let me go ahead and wax poetic about these Bengals after they wax the Texans' asses by dropping 37 points on them, okay? You can tell me that the Texans put up all these points, and that's good, but that's what you have to do because you have a bad defense. Um, if mm-hmm. you play fantasy and you play specifically in dynasty leagues, if T. Higgins isn't already off the board, you need to go and grab him. Because AJ Green, thank you for your services. You're probably going to be in the way out. Okay, Joe Mixon will be back next year. Gio Bernard's probably still going to stay there. Uh, hashtag Let Joy Roar is going to come back because he's already walking after his ACL and MCL surgery. And there's a rumor that uh, LSU receiver Jamar Chase, whom Joey won a national championship with, could be linked to go to the Bengals. Uh, if you're on the high train, choo choo, let's get it going because this team is going to have a different look at wide receiver next year. I think they're going to be one of those teams that we're going to see probably break out in some of these wide receiver sets, and they're going to throw the ball a ton. And I am 100% here for it. I, I just avoided so many Bengals players this year in all my fantasy leagues because I just didn't trust inconsistent play. But I think now we can attribute that inconsistent play to the fact that like backup quarterback just didn't have time to have reps with the players, right? Burroughs obviously is going to get the lion's share of it. Once he got injured, it was going to take a couple of weeks, but Gio Bernard. Thank you for all your fantasy points this, this season in relief. Once James Robinson went out this week and I had to scramble the waiver wire. T. Higgins, thank you for playing against me and just scoring a butt ton of points. Like, not. Uh, but it, it's, good for the, it's good for those squads. I, I think the most important thing to point out here is the Bengals have the pieces that they need to have. Execution is a bit of a problem. They traded away some players. They're trying to fix that culture there. It wasn't going to happen overnight. They weren't going to challenge the Steelers or the Ravens for the AFC North. And it's going to take a couple years for them to get there. But this season could have gone a lot worse than it's gone right now. And I think there's a lot to look forward to, especially with, you know, probably a top 10 pick or so next year. Uh, What you can't see off screen is me pouring one out for the let joy (laughs) moment. Yeah, because that's that's about where we're at right now. Um, Shout out to Nick, by the way, podcast listener. Uh, also a fervent supporter of the hashtag let joy roar movement ah yeah yeah there's there's always one in the crowd um he's a Bengals no, fan so he's he's the crowd <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. i think this is more the 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 texans just choking again uh in what is a watson uh 
not living up to the hype and their defense just playing fucking awful all year. So, well, uh, when that, you're that group needs some change down with PEDs and you got to pick up Chad Hansen and Kiki Kuti. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, maybe the only reason they were doing so well with that guy in is because he was on PEDs. So, there's that too. Anyway, moving on. Stats on our podcast has nothing to say about people who are potentially using performance enhancing drugs, nor do we advocate for their use, Tim. No, no, I was saying maybe that was the only reason they had some success early because they had a, a you know, a bad, a bad actor. Um, anyway, Giants Ravens, uh, as I sip on this coquito in name of the one Joe Burrow in the Bad Bengals. <laughs> what would you write the coquito? Um, Don't be stingy as fuck either. No, so last year I got the same thing. So this year I got the same. I got it, but because of shipping, it sat in a depot center. I mean, sorry, because of the stork, <laughs> it sat in a stork's nest. Uh, because of the holiday, because yeah, Mama of... Stork was out. She was doing things. She's buying Christmas gifts for the baby storks. Yeah, apparently, uh, Mama Stork got hit with some issues at their uh, nest location, in which uh, was a result of really poor planning, and has caused. Uh, Stork shipping to be uh, backed up across the globe, uh, across the U.S. So this thing was supposed to be here before Christmas. It didn't get here until uh, yesterday. So that was good. But Coquito is made with coconut, rum, cinnamon, a bunch of other cool flavors. Uh, but like diced minced coconut and coconut milk and condensed milk. Uh, because it probably sat somewhat horizontal for as long as it did, a lot of that coconut milk and meat sort of settled a little bit. So I got two jars. This is me wrapping up, yeah, in 24 hours, uh, one jar. <clears throat> the second jar in the fridge is going to go through a blender before I drink that one. But um, it unfortunately has the consistency of curdled milk, which is going to sound unappealing. But the chunks are coconut, so when you chew on them, they taste like cinnamon coconut nuggets and it's phenomenal so mm. uh, here here comes my my sip in in professional rating how do we rate this on a one to five uh yeah that's how we mm. do it we're not anarchists here yeah i mean uh i have to be biased because it came from a best friend so i mean it's a five this is probably the oh. best drink i've ever put in my mouth yeah. this is so, no uh i would put it up with with uh what are i rate it as a cocktail or a whiskey or like a, I don't even know what scale to put it on. Yeah, me either. Yeah, it's just weird. Just go ahead and give it a damn rating. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, it's phenomenal. I'll give it a, a, a four. Four. You just gave it a five, and now you're saying you give it a four. What? Yeah, what? yeah. I was, I was, I was just, I was, I was just, I was, I was just joking for the pod. Tim, take your day job and tell us about the Giants and Ravens, because an alcohol connoisseur raider, you are not. Uh, well, I'll tell you someday about some Basil Hayden dark, dark. Uh, whiskey which was phenomenal uh yeah, the furious tapping of the keys you hear right now is me trying to figure out what the hell tim is saying yeah 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 so everybody google basil hayden dark rye it's phenomenal it's a rye aged in port wine barrels and it's solid. anyway uh <coughs> giants ravens ravens took another step closer to their playoff berth this season which at the start of the season you didn't know was going to be this much of a challenge you figured they were going to be along the same lines as the chiefs which they have been the last few years that hasn't happened the win this week means that they have a chance next week with a win over cincinnati 
uh, which, you know, we all know it's going to happen because R.I.P. Joe Burrows. Their fourth win in a row. Another, though, that relied pretty heavily on the run game. Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins all ran for 77 yards or more apiece. Total between those three was about 242 yards. Three of their last four games have come all with majority of their total offensive yards being on the ground. I've said all season Lamar hasn't looked the same, that something seems off, and if we compare it to last year, he's set to finish with almost 600 yards less passing this year and will likely finish with only 25 less attempts. So obviously that math doesn't quite add up. Rushing, he's on par with last year. So what you're seeing is the Ravens start game planning away around his passing shortcomings whether that's uh maybe the ability to not see everything on the field maybe that's just some uh inaccuracy i don't really know but something there just hasn't quite meshed with the last it's really he's got two seasons compared to and last season was such a jump over the first season it's really tough to say and i've heard people say oh well you're just getting the real Lamar Jackson. Well, we don't even know what the hell that means. He's this is his, you know, third season. So, like, what are we trying to compare this to? So it is interesting though to see last year he had all the same threat on the ground, but he could throw the ball all over the place. He looked like Mahomes. At the start of this season, I said I would actually take Lamar over Mahomes. I look like an asshole now. I understand that. But mm, I, yeah. Comparing yeah, the yeah. two last yeah, comparing the two last year though, they were almost identical. Lamar was just a more physical player who could take hits on his way downfield. But unfortunately, that's not what we get. We'll have to see how that plays out. The defense was all over Jones as well. They, he was sacked six times in total. This was the second game in a row being sacked that many times. So his offensive line, they're not doing them any favors. I think defensive coordinators are starting to take note of that. Um, uh, he is getting the ball out a lot faster than he was last year, but blitz-wise, teams have blitzed almost 60 times more at this point than they did in previous years. He's been able to avoid a lot of those hits, but it's caused him to have to hurry through his progressions and have to hurry to get the ball out a little sooner, which I think is why you're starting, why you saw so many of those turnovers. It's just trying to get the ball out quicker. He's a decent QB. I think he needs a little bit more support in front of him. I think he needs to, you know, work on his reads a little bit quicker, but you can't blame him for all of their shortcomings. Overall, I think the Ravens are going to be one of those teams at the start of the season. You're like, oh yeah, well, they're clearly going to be in the playoffs. Now they're a team that if you figure out the way to, to stop Lamar from running the ball, that dynamic is a lot different. And what we've seen already, you know, starting halfway through the season, basically after he was out with COVID, shut him down the team seems like an easy beat so they're going to make the playoffs i think they're honestly going to beat cincinnati next week but i don't know if they necessarily have enough staying power to make it you know interesting going forward just one of those one of those things about this season that you you get these I, and some people are ignorant there's like oh you're on the covid 19 reserve list like you got a break like no you didn't yeah. <laughs> like you, you were possibly exposed to COVID-19. You were fighting those symptoms. Oh, and mm -hmm. then, by the way, you have to come back and play professional football. Like, within yeah. another week. Because you have these huge expectations on top of you. Like, any team that's been able to come around those things and, and move through it. I know we've talked about it. I mean, we made jokes about oh, how the yeah. Titans contract 
know, COVID-19, they must've gone down to Tootsie's or something in Nashville, but like, uh, you know, you got to give them props for moving through that. A lot I mean, of teams the, have, have really reacted well, to what they've had to do this year. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we were making jokes, but to take it into consideration, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, both went out for COVID and neither of them have looked the same since coming back. Cam Newton looks like an entirely different player. He showed a little bit more flashes this weekend and some of his movements, but he has not been the same quarterback since like week six. So yeah, not to say that that's the reason, but there is something there, but yeah, anyway, moving on. All right. Jets Browns. Um, I would have predicted that this, you know, because the JETS 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 beat the Rams two weeks ago, they should be able to beat the Browns. But the Browns need to win out in order to fend off a surging Ravens squad, which you just talked about, in order to get into the playoffs. And I think the Browns probably could have got it done there, and you know, it would have been too close for comfort, but they would have won. Can someone explain the the 2020 New York Jets to me? You trade away Jamal Adams. <laughs> Your coach at his opening press conference looks like he's like all over the place. You have people that like openly don't want to be there. You fire your defensive coordinator because he sends the house on the last play of the game and the Raiders beat you. And yet in back-to-back weeks, the Jets beat good teams. They beat a Rams, like they thoroughly embarrassed the Rams team. I know, I know that the box score was 23 to 20. But for a Rams team, a Sean McVay Rams team, who's used to scoring points, the Jets using the field goal strategy to stay ahead and win that game was bonkers. Um, And they just kind of just outclassed the Browns. Now, the Browns were without a ton of wide receivers. Okay. There was also reports of them like actually conducting walkthroughs like the day before the game, like in a parking garage. Why it wasn't happening in the hotel, I don't really know. Um, but these are things that in the year of COVID in 2020, you, you, you just sort of deal with. That being said, the Browns have two good running backs. Why were they not used more in this game? Why did you attempt to throw a ton of the Jets? Like That to me just says like you were getting cute. And the Jets, whether it's Adam Gase, the interim defensive coordinator, whoever it is, is just like, listen, we know we're out of the Trevor sweepstakes. That's fine. But we know we can win some games. And I'm, I'm sure everyone in the locker room was like, holy shit, we beat the Rams. And we held the Rams to 20 points. So you know what? Sorry, Browns. But in our heads now, we already believe we're better than you. Because the Rams are a better football team than the Browns. So I'm going to go ahead and say it. I have given a lot of guff to the Jets this year. I've, I've openly called for their coach to be fired. I still think that the coach has mismanaged the team to some degree. Um, thank you, Jets, very much for the acquisition of Jamal Adams. The Seattle Seahawks delegation does appreciate you. Thank you for beating the Rams. Thank you for beating the Browns. I don't think this team is going to be fantastic with Adam Gase as the helm going forward. I, j- I just don't. I think he has a long contract. I think he'll be there. I think they'll give Sam Darnold some, some tools going forward but when you see wins like this this is what keeps the any given sunday theory alive right you look at two teams on paper and you say absolutely no way it's snowball's chance in hell that the browns lose to the jets and yet here we are where the browns might win 10 games and miss the playoffs 
after just coming off of a season where they've only won like a couple games after going 0-16, after all of these quarterback dramas. And it's just sort of like you expect that the Browns have the talent, have the pedigree, have the coaching to put something together. And you, you didn't expect this to occur. Um, so I'm going to do this. And it pains me. I'm going to tip my cap to the New York Jets. The New mm. York football Jets. Hmm. Just going to do uh, it. I will say that the season is probably a success for the Browns, whether they make it to the playoffs or not, given the last few seasons that they've had and the fact that they're now poised for some long-term success. Uh, here's my bold prediction. I think Sam Darnold is gone soon. I think he doesn't make it in the next season. I think he gets traded for maybe a pick in the top three based on interests. Uh, and I think Casey's probably gone by next week. So those are my bold predictions. I don't Ooh. think this, I don't think this win really changed much. Uh, nah, not buying it. I think this is just the Browns coming in and sleeping. Speaking <laughs> of sleeping, uh, this one was a, I have the Broncos and chargers and this one was about as meaningless as it gets. There was no implications of any capacity that was riding on this one. Uh, but it was a chance to try and figure out a couple things to see kind of what you had going into the next season. Herbert, kind of being that dude for uh, the Chargers, going out with a bang. He was 21-33. He had 253 yards, which puts him in some pretty elite company. Uh, Mahomes is the only other player in NFL history with 4,000 passing yards or more in their first 14 starts. Passes Mayfield as the most touchdown passes by a rookie, and he only trails Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, and Jameis Winston for the most in a rookie season. So he's kind of showing out a little bit, showing that there is some hope for that team going forward. Um, I mean, there are other quarterbacks who came out banging and then struggled a little bit, uh, i.e. Jameis Winston, who's now a backup to a backup. Um, but, and he's also not, he's probably not going to pass Andrew Luck. He going up against Kansas City, and unless Kansas City really takes the day off and rests some folks, uh, he needs about 300 yards to to knock out the first place, so he'll probably finish uh, second in that list. So good for him. But, man, it was another rough outing for Locke. Uh, he tossed two picks, had zero touchdowns, uh, just an ugly game altogether. Not much to take away from the Broncos side of things. Hopefully they come back next year with a better game plan and some healthier guys. But uh, this one was the uh, the Herbert show and will continue to be so. Uh, I've heard some grumblings about some coaching changes for the Chargers as well, which uh, if they play out the way I think they will, would be very interesting. But I will give you a hint. Uh, it's a big-name coach who is currently coaching another big-name team. They're trying to... Mm. Huh. A coach who's coaching another team who could be lulled from coaching the other team to coach this other team. No, no, no. Coaching oh coaching God, another right. coaching another high profile team. Another high profile team, you don't say. Yeah, there's like there's so many details there that I could I could only surmise. Mm. No, I'm not even I'm not even gonna guess. All right, cool. Um you, you kind of forgot to mention there uh Herbert rookie passing touchdown record. That Peyton Manning and the Russell Wilson set, and then Baker Mayfield set. So that, that's that's looking good for that dude. Um, well, I, was, I it doesn't matter what those other two did because I did talk about Baker Mayfield. 
So when Baker Mayfield does it, you no longer have to mention the guys who got passed before. Bingo card, there, there's a there's the Tim column, and the the Russ talks fondly of Russell Wilson is like one of the spaces that never gets talked about. So like no one could ever win the stats no matter bingo card because it's well, just if like I'm talking about, if I said he passed Baker Mayfield for most touchdowns by a rookie, why Baker do Mayfield I then... break the record from? He broke the record that Russell Wilson set that was set but by who, Peyton Manning. He broke. But who are we talking about? Mayfield or are we talking about Hi, it me. Seattle Seahawks fan. We're, we're not, we're, nah, we're not no, talking you're, you're bitter and you, you gotta, you know, whatever. Oh, I got no reason to be bitter because you, you Mayfield, you, Mayfield beat Russ last year. So let's just not, we'll just move on sure from did. that and talk about who just beat Mayfield. Sure didn't. Sure didn't. The, the, the rookie record he broke was a couple years ago. Well, whatever. Stats not, don't matter. Eagles Cowboys. Look, I said the Eagles look completely different under Hurts with Hurts under center. And I think that the Eagles are win this game. <laughs> uh 2020 said psych um eagles went up 14 to 3 sean jackson welcome back one target one reception 81 yards touchdown oh my god the eagles are back (laughs) nope uh the cowboys decided to open a can of proverbial whoop ass on the eagles and continue to do that for the rest of the game michael gallup mari cooper both over 100 yards ezekiel elliott over 100 yards michael gallup two passing touchdowns cd lamb rushing touchdown pass the touchdown this was not a good game for jalen hurts to be expected you have a couple games you come out you put some stuff on tape teams begin to find a way against you mike mccarthy looked like he was actually worth his salt as a coach this year i do wonder if dak was healthy for this game what they could have done to this team i think they could have thoroughly embarrassed and i'm not i'm not saying like because when you think about it 37 to 17, which is how much the Cowboys won by. I, that's a great score. But I wonder if the Red Rifle wasn't throwing it back there. But I wonder if Dak was back there. I wonder if they couldn't have dropped a 50 burger. I really think they could have made a statement game out of this, especially in the division. Um, but of course, the NFC East is the gift that keeps on giving. And somehow all the teams are still possibly in play to win the division. Mm. Um, Eagles have a lot of questions. They have a lot of things they need to figure out between now and next season. They have a quarterback who is getting paid a lot of money, doesn't want to be a backup, which is understandable. You don't want to be a backup, but you're, you gotta, you gotta have the play to back it up. Um, this, this year's draft profile will have a couple big, well-recognizable names that are, are going to make a difference. And I think that some of these other teams that are looking for a quarterback, Carson Wentz probably is no longer going to be a Philadelphia Eagle. If they can find a team to offload that contract, they're going to do it. Um, Jalen does give you a spark, and I think you start giving him some other pieces, and I think this team looks completely different next year. That being said, if the Cowboys had the ability to do this against a division foe, what in the world happened during the middle part of the season where they completely fell apart? They, they had Pittsburgh, undefeated Pittsburgh at that point, on the ropes with a backup quarterback, and they could have capitalized. You know, Zeke came out, feed me, got the tattoo, wasn't getting fed. It looked like he was overfed. Now he's getting exactly the three-course meal that he needs. I think that this, this Cowboys team next year, I think is going to be a lot better than we want to give it credit for. And I know that we're giving the NFC East a ton of shit for, for having won the division with six or seven games. I think next year, the, the NFC East leader is probably going to win 10 or 11 games. And, and I think it's because the, the teams in this division, like the Cowboys, 
and the Eagles, if they can pull some stuff together, I think they can really make some, some big changes. I agree. I think uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be fine. He had 342 yards against the Cowboys, but yeah. But I mean, his interceptions is really what killed them. Yeah, he had two interceptions. He had two fumbles. One of them he lost. So, like, the turnovers are going to continue to hurt you. Um, I think this just happened to be a shitty defensive outing by the Eagles and the Red Rocket taking advantage of it. I mean, you had Gallup and or uh, yeah, Gallup and Cooper who had like 120 yards apiece. So, no, no, nothing in the secondary was stopping anybody from running all over the place, but. I have more faith in the Eagles under Jalen Hurt than I do the Dallas any season. <laughs> they're just, uh, they're, they're one of those teams. They're one of those, they're one of those teams that like you always, you know, think are going to do well. But I mean, how many seasons are we making excuses for them? Like, let's be honest. Like how many times do we look back at the end of the season? And like, oh, it's, you know, fractured his ankle. It's because With- of this or because of this or because of this. There's always a because reason why and it's just we'll see if everybody comes back out the next next season and they finish the same conversation then it is what it is but all right hey before you get into this i just want to i just want to point out that when we previewed division winners in the beginning of the year okay yeah i got i got the actual two teams wrong who were going to vie for the division but i got the winner right i said i said seattle's going to win the nfc west and yep. you said the Rams were in the NFC West. And this was the game. It was. was it was. That. So it without was. further ado, Tim, I don't need to pontificate and take an extra 20 minutes in this podcast. Go ahead and lay it. Go, go break it down for us. And the fans. I, it, was, <laughs> it, 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 uh, it was It was. your division. You guys took it. Um, tough, That's tough right. break. Tough break. Literally tough break for the Rams. Uh, we'll get into that in a second. But um, RIP to Goff's thumb. Blech. I don't know if you watch this game, but, uh, but yes, as Sam has already said, the Seahawks came through. They must have heard our podcast and heard him literally riding the big D the entire season. They did. No, no, they had a great outing. Um, they clinched the NFC West for the fifth time in 11 seasons under Pete Carroll, despite all the efforts by Aaron Donald to chase Russ literally all over the field. Uh, they held the Seahawks to their lowest offensive output of the season only. And I say that with a question mark, 292 yards, because that's more than a lot of teams have done like combined. And I think that speaks more first. I, I think the season as a whole Seems to speak more for the defensive side of the struggles for the Seahawks because if your team is averaging more than 292 yards a game and you still end up with a bunch of nail biting wins and some losses, it, it it has to come from somewhere and it's the defensive side of the ball. That's no you know that's no secret. We've talked about it several times. They're one of a handful of teams this year that has a great offensive output, but their defense struggles a ton. But this was another great outing by Russ. He's 20 of 32. He had 225 yards. And he had zero turnovers. Unfortunately, I think this game got away from the Rams because the big takeaway was the vomit-inducing injury to Jared Goff in which he dislocated and broke his thumb, put it back into place, and continued to finish the game through the injury. But it was clearly something that was bothering him because he didn't look the same. He was 24-43. He had 234 yards himself, but he did throw an interception. Uh, it was beautiful, too. The interception... He, I don't know who yeah. the hell he was looking at. There were 
There was one Rams player and three Seahawks players, and he threw it directly to Quandre Diggs, which was just chef's kiss. Yeah, and it wasn't like that was the determining factor either. They they lost 20 to 9. So obviously if your quarterback gets hurt, that's a big big problem. We see it with Cincinnati, we see it with a lot of other teams. You remove the starter and you know, you never know what you're going to get. I commend him for getting out and 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 trying considering the the timing of this. He ended up with surgery immediately after the game. You have to win, or the Rams have to win next week against the Cards in order to make it into their playoff. Guess who their starter is going to be? A fellow by the name of John Wolford, who played in the AAF and has not <laughs> thrown a pass in the NFL. And guess who his backup is? The one and only Blake Bortles, who has been on the Denver, I think he was on the Denver practice squad since like September. So. And he didn't wear a mask, so they had the COVID thing, and then he drew lock, and the other backup quarterback couldn't play. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, go ahead yeah. and put your division, uh, you know, away, and hope that you can try and make the playoffs. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 not looking great for their playoff push. Um, really tough, and, and no pun intended, but that's a really tough break for the Rams team. I've said all season. <laughs> Something on paper. <laughs> I said uh, all season they're one of those teams that on paper did not look uh, as good as their record has. They've shown a little bit of that with some of the losses and close games they've had over the last few weeks. Um, so let's say let's not say they deserve to be in the playoffs, but the timing is still brutal nonetheless. But yeah, you, shout you, out to the Seahawks, and with this also, goddamn right, you got it clenches. Right. It clenches my purchase of a jersey because they did finish with a better record than the Patriots. Because Cam Newton is a terrible quarterback who shouldn't be no, a starter in no, anyone. Because the New England Patriots don't have players on their team. Cam is literally yeah. throwing to guys that Tom Brady would be like, "Nah, I'm not throwing to him. I don't trust him." Cam Tom Brady would throw to anybody. He turned guys like Dobson into. Tom Brady would not throw to Demir no. Bird. Come on, come on, come on. This was this was the conversation. Ones who ain't catching pass. Out of here with that. We had the conversation. We used to call him Dropson because he dropped the ball all the time until he worked with Brady enough to turn him into like a legitimate quarterback. You had guys you had never heard of. They came on, did well, and. They, we turned Amendola into a Wes Welker, Edelman-style player and then moved him on and now look at him. Like, mm. to say that he wouldn't have found ways, what he would have done is found ways to capitalize on what their strengths were and try to avoid some of their weaknesses. We saw when he had an entire roster of, mm. shitty, of shitty receivers, he it's looked just, bad, and you started to question whether or not the cliff was there. It's so, just so bad. I, just, I don't understand how a guy like Russell Wilson who threw to guys like Jermaine Curse, Golden Tate, Freddie Swain... Casey Williams. Are we about to start comparing Tom Brady to Russell Wilson? Because I think there's a lot to compare there that you will come up short on. But Cam Newton, <laughs> I got in an actual argument with somebody on Facebook about how it's Josh McDaniel's fault for not game planning. You always do this. You always, you always want to ruin the fucking Seattle Seahawks talk with Tom Brady talk. You won the Super Bowl. Get over it. No, I'm talking about giving you guys, I'm buying a jersey, and I'm saying it's because oh, yeah. Cam Newton is shitty, and then you started to defend Cam Newton, so now we got to get into the Cam Newton conversation. Yeah. Cam, yeah. Newton, Cam Newton is incapable of making accurate passes under 20 yards, and he can't run the same way he used to. Like, how are you supposed to game plan for that? Like, you can't. You can't. He's just not there. Stidham's not there. they got to make a move for a quarterback in the offseason. That's the end of that. I'm going to buy a goddamn jersey this offseason. It's going to be the bright awful highlighter yellow 
Yeah, but it's called Action Green in case you uh, had questions about it. And you let me know. I have to approve the one you're going to buy. And it's highlighter yellow, and it probably glows <laughs> underneath a black light. Green. Get out of here with that. This is crazy. Okay, moving I'm on. I'm going to wear it to my next cap highlighter party. <laughs> Rest in peace. USM Green Life. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when we were in Maine, we, we drove through downtown Gorman. We relived a little bit of nostalgia. We drove down. It looks completely different. Yeah, it does. Um, probably for the best. Okay, uh, Sunday <laughs> Night Football, Titans, Packers. I said, if, if I were going to pick this game, I would have said Titans upset City. <laughs> and the Titans got upset, okay? In the snow, Devontae Adams, another three touchdowns. If you faced Devontae Adams in the fantasy playoffs, you lost. Straight up. It's that simple. The guys have like, you know, two or three, maybe even four games of like 35 to 40 points this year in fantasy. He's just a touchdown machine. He's insane. The connection that he has with Aaron Rodgers is absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. We've said for a long time that if you want to beat the Titans, sell out, stop Derrick Henry, you should be good. The Packers defense playing in a Lambeau, in primetime, in the snow, said, Derrick Henry, go ahead and pull that shit out of here. See what happens. They kept him bottled up. Hill threw a pick. Tannehill also rushed for a 45-yard touchdown. And that was pretty much it. It was murder she wrote after that. Aaron Rodgers did exactly what he wanted to do for the majority of this game. And in fact, anytime the Titans brought pressure, he just found a way to get the ball to Adams or Alan Lazard. And A.J. Dillon, who was like their third-string running back, who has made all the hype in training camp for having like quads that would make Saquads jealous, just plodding away. Like, absolutely nothing mattered. He didn't have a care in the world. Just ran Titans defenders over. Uh, Malcolm Butler managed to pick off Aaron Rodgers. And then Rodgers just picked on him mercilessly the rest of the game. And I just don't... If there's a team in the NFC, I mean, the Titans, they tried their best. I will say that. It, it shows that the Packers are a very, very different team than they were last year. When the Packers were 13-3 and last year, they got their ass handed to them by the... 49ers in the NFC Championship game. This is not the same Packers team. They're very, very retooled. They're, they're very, very scary in how their offensive concepts go. And there were a couple throws, like I said earlier, that like Rodgers just put it to where Devontae would have to like pirouette to make the catch and toe tap and keep himself in bounds. And the defender did everything they could to drape over him, and it didn't matter. He just caught it. This is one of the teams that you 100% hope gets bounced the first game they play. Because you don't want to go to Lambeau in December, and you damn sure don't want to go to Lambeau in January. In the snow, snow where you couldn't even see the yard lines, Devontae Adams is out there running routes, getting people out, like breaking ankles, and just catching passes like it doesn't even count. A.J. Dillon plowing through the line. You know that Aaron Jones, whether they rested him, or the, I mean, they gave him some snaps too, and, and, and he got some points there, but like, Aaron Jones had 100 yards, though. So he like, had a few, but he, he 10 attempts, 100 yards is no joke. That's, that's, that's insane. That's every time you hand the ball to Aaron Jones, he's getting a first down. And every time you leave Devontae Adams single covered, he's getting two first downs practically in yardage. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, we said, if you want to stop the Titans, stop Derrick Henry. If you want to stop the Packers, take Devontae Adams out of the game. No team has successfully done it this year. 
Seattle got bounced in the playoffs in, in the divisional round last year, going against Devontae Adams and just getting absolutely crushed. And now here they are, back to back years, probably going to go 13 and three, probably going to lock up, you know, the number one seed this year. And it's just like, I'm just going to say it. Fuck. Like, they're my favorite. They're my favorite uh, to take the Super Bowl, actually. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would love if I wasn't a Seattle fan. I would. I would love the football excitement that comes with a Packers Chiefs Super Bowl because we saw the game last year and Mahomes didn't play that game because he was injured because he had a dislocated knee and that game was crazy. Even when the backup quarterback Chiefs kept into Asante, but like. Oh, they're, they're my favorite. I, I have my money. If I was a bet man, my money would be on Green Bay. I mean, they quote unquote held Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry still had 100 yards. Yeah. And it, when you watch the game, it just didn't seem like it. It didn't seem no. like no matter what the Titans threw at the Packers, the Packers were like, nah, bro, we're cool. We're good. Yeah. Now, th- this is the thing. You know, we, we spoke earlier in one of the, the first podcast episodes about goats, goat talk, right? Hashtag goat talk. And I said that, like, look, Rodgers just has the ability to sling it all over the field. Brady obviously has all the hardware. Right now, I think it's a two-way race for MVP. Okay? I think it's Mahomes, and I think it's Rodgers. Mm-hmm. The past few weeks, because MVP, the MVP race is a recency bias race. Okay? If it was the first eight weeks of the season, maybe Russ had a shot. If it was the second eight weeks of the season, maybe Josh Allen would have a shot. However, when you look at the total body of work, what the Chiefs and the Packers have done this year, and those two quarterbacks have done with throwing over 30 touchdowns in single digit interceptions and then rushing and just, just the awe inspiring plays. It would be very difficult for me as if I was an AP, you know, voter to say, I believe Josh Allen belongs solely in that conversation. He's great. He's, he's improved a ton, but he does not have the otherworldly break your back over your leg, like Bane and Batman style that Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes have. And I do believe that Aaron Rodgers is probably deserving of MVP nods this year. I, I, even after even after the game with the Patriots, in which he like the Patriots had a solid defense, their offense yeah. is a different story. Yeah. Their yeah. defense and he they could they had no answer. He didn't, show up against the, he didn't show up against the Bucks either, right? But then you look at some of these other teams, and he's able to he's able to string it out. If you if you want to say, oh, how did the how did the the Packers lose to the Patriots? How in the world? Did the Chiefs lose to the Raiders, who got beat by the Jets? Using that line of thought, the Jets should be able to go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, but we know in no world is that ever possible. Mm-hmm. I, I think it'll be tight. I think it'll probably be split. It won't be unanimous like it's been for the past couple of years. Um, the Packers are molding into a version of a complete team that not only the NFC North needs to pay attention to, but the rest of the NFC. Um, because it, Tom Brady's going to come back next year, right, for the Bucks, and, you know, Seattle, I think, will be in the mix. I think the Saints, if, if Breeze comes back or not, they will obviously be in the mix for a wild card because they just have so much talent. But like, we're now looking at a strong consensus of like five or six NFC teams, and every one of them is someone you don't want to catch in an alley at all. And how, pissed, how pissed are you if you are Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady goes to another team, and him and that team steamrolls you? Like That has to be infuriating. Yeah, and, and you, you, you have to wonder if a lot of that has been like when Malcolm Butler picked off uh, Aaron Rodgers, he did the discount double check like belt dance. And then Rodgers just said, mm, okay, I got you. And just went and annihilated him the rest of the game. Like you, you just, you shouldn't do that. You just yeah. really shouldn't. So uh, I, I will say 
props to the Packers. I, I thought yep. that Matt LaFleur was one of those, those profile, like not high profile coaching uh, jobs that they, that they nabbed. And I thought, well, McVay's the guy who's the whiz kid, but like Matt LaFleur has been around. He's got those bona fides as well. And what he's able to do now with that team and then just get Rodgers to just do whatever he wants. It's just, I don't like seeing it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it from a football, a football like fan perspective, but I hate seeing it from a Seattle perspective because it's just like that's where the road's going to go. It's going to go through Lambeau unless someone happens to knock them out. Yeah, I think that they're my favorite to to take it all. I think they have a a, a better defensive team than some of the other guys who are in the running. So moving mm-hmm. on, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep this one quick. Uh, Bills Patriots because this was the definition of an ass whooping and is just sort of the cherry on top for what has been a season that all the haters wanted to see for the Patriots, a season I was kind of hoping for because it helped us actually reset and get our emotions in check that yes, we are capable of losing games. Um, I'm actually on the other side of the argument. I think Josh Allen deserves to be a legitimate part of the conversation when we start talking about uh when we start talking about mvps on the season because the mvp isn't necessarily the best player in the league it's the most valuable player on the team that they're playing on and what it means to the rest of the league mahomes you knew coming into this was going to do mahomes things he's a phenomenal player but at the same time they have guys like Tyreek Hill. They have guys who are able to get out and just completely demolish teams almost single-handedly. We've seen what happens when you take Tyreek Hill out of it, what that kind of looks like, and it's a very different-looking team. To see Allen come in, turn that division around, or turn that team around 12-3 and three on the season, it's just unreal to come out be the first team to sweep the the patriots in uh, i don't know 100 years or something like that yeah it's it's insane what he's been able to do just the entire time he had 320 yards this game he had four touchdowns he rushed himself for 35 yards like it is has changed the look and the feel of the entire division Right? When you look at the Chiefs, you're like, oh, that's that's going to be a tough game. That's something that when it comes up, it's going to be tough. And then they start playing some of these close games. They start losing a couple of these games, and suddenly they're not as scary. Plus, I hate the Mahomes like cocked the neck look. I don't understand why he looks like a dog trying to figure something out all the time. Uh, no, but I think I think Josh Allen is like the next wave. I mean, it's hard to say the next wave because Mahomes is so early in his career. I think he's like the tail end of that big wave of, of quarterbacks who's going to come in and it's just changing the league as a whole. An entire division is now turned on its head, partly because of the exit of Tom Brady, but Josh Allen is incredible. Like it's, it's really hard to argue against like what he's been able to do, how he's sort of been able to change the dynamic and the feel and how it's been done on a consistent level. Like he's just gotten better and better, and better. If Tyreek Hill got injured on that team, I don't necessarily know the level of success that they would have on the Chiefs side and if it would be the same, but who are you going to take out of the Bills lineup that you could say that, like, 
Diggs? Like, Diggs has been phenomenal this season, but I don't necessarily know if he's that guy that you're like, he's the only reason they're winning games. Hill, when neutralized, is not becoming a weak point, but it's showing that that team is extremely vulnerable. I mean, they almost lost, they almost tied a game with a field goal in their last outing. So, I don't know. Aaron Rodgers, I think, might be making a stronger case for an MVP for that side, just given the talent that he doesn't have around him. I mean, he has Devontae Adams, who's obviously stellar. He has some 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 quality starters that are there, but to necessarily say that he has the same level as uh, the Chiefs do, not quite the same. So that's a stronger argument. But I I would keep Allen in that in that top three. I think this game. But I think yeah. that there, there was a big part of the season where like he was hit or miss. And I just don't think like we take a look at MVP, like like if you were not there, like the team would not be the same without you. And that only makes like a quarterback like kind of race, but there are just the no look passes or Rogers with his wrist flick from hell or just his otherworldly ability to to meet up with like players and and just like connect with Devontae Adams like like no one else. Like Josh Allen is a dark horse for sure. He, he will grab some votes. He's taken a massive leap, but he has the the expectations on him. And then it was like, well, you beat the Pats because Tom Brady wasn't there. And you were used to not be very accurate, but now that you are. So like I, I think like people will pump the brakes on him. I think if he continues this into the next season, I think he will be a, a MVP frontrunner for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. I I I think there's just enough close call games to say that the uh, that the Chiefs themselves have also been somewhat inconsistent. I mean, they almost lost to the Falcons where teams were putting up 40, 50 points on them kind of at will and to put up 17 points. I, I know what you're saying. I get it. I wouldn't be pissed if they gave Mahomes the MVP. You kind of expect it every year. But I think Allen deserves to be more of that conversation just because what he's what he's done for that team what he has done for that division as a whole but anyway we'll see what happens mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cheers everybody cheers